Welcome aboard the USS Aeronome. To become a member of our crew, please visit perfectorganism.com slash support. As a patron of Perfect Organism, you'll receive exclusive perks and early access to content. Incoming audio transmission received. Please proceed to Subdeck 3 to begin playback. Thank you, and welcome aboard. I think we ought to discuss the bonus situation. Right. Brett and right. I, we think we ought to, we deserve full shares, right, right baby? You see, Mr. Park and I feel that the bonus situation is... Move! Get out of there! Don't you move! Don't! Move down! Move down! Get out! Welcome to Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast. I'm your host, Jamie M. Prater, and I'm joined by my co-host. Patrick Green, alive and kicking, making it to the end of 2020, bit by yeah, bit, Jamie. We're, we're bit almost by fucking there. bit. We're so close. We're almost there. Oh, God. Uh, tonight, we are joined by a troop of friends uh, that Patrick and I know in varying degrees from all over the social media to the internet to fandom to wherever. And tonight, we're here to discuss Noah Hawley's discuss and speculate on Noah Hawley's Alien series for Hulu. But before we get into that, we wanted to briefly just kind of uh, memorialize Dave Geiler and the people who've come before. David Geiler passed away uh, a couple days ago. If anyone doesn't know who David Geiler is, he is uh, the second part of Brandywine. And Brandywine Pictures or Brandywine Productions have produced the Alien films since the beginning. Um, David Geiler is the man who rewrote Dan O'Bannon's script um, for the original film. Uh, he also went and rewrote uh, Alien 3 many, many times while it was in production, before it was in production. Um, he also uh, wrote The Parallax View, starring Robert Redford, which is a fucking amazing film. If anyone hasn't seen it, uh, he passed away at his home in Bangkok from cancer a couple days ago. Because of him, we are here. You know, much like Ridley Scott, much like Dan O'Bannon, uh, he really informed our experience. So we wanted to definitely say thank you to him. Yeah, this is Jamie and I were reflecting a little bit before we um, went live on on this. This has been a, a I mean, it's been a year of loss in so many in so many, so many, so many forms for so many of us in so many aspects of our lives. But one of them specifically has been within the realm of alien fandom. We've really lost a lot of people, you know, having Ian Holm go this year earlier to Ron Cobb, to Peter Lamont, the incredible production designer, 
uh, just a few, couple of weeks ago, and then to have David Geiler pass two days ago, um, you know, such a seminal part along with Walter Hill and Gordon Carroll of the production legacy of this series. Um, as Jamie said, you know, he, he was responsible for so many of the great scenes in these films personally with rewrites and with other script work that he did. Um, he also famously produced, executive produced Tales from the Crypt, um, which is another just great piece of pop entertainment from the last, you know, 40 years of, of all of our existence um, as a global pop culture. Um, and uh, and I, I personally just, I was mentioning this in our group chat, I, I've always, I always really appreciated when he was interviewed because I, he always was like, like no, sh no bullshit. He was always chain smoking and he was always just like, just no filter, just saying whatever he wanted to say and being completely honest. And I always felt like he was a real, a real honest fan of not only sci-fi and not only the alien series, but just of movies. He was just a movie guy. Um, he was somebody who lived and breathed this. He was born into a movie family. His father was a writer. Uh, and I think he just, you know, had a, a very long and, and incredibly productive life in film. And, uh, and he, you know, it's, it's easy to say, well, you know, he lived, he lived a good time and he got a lot done, but it's another thing to say like, and it's over, you know, and, and it is, he's, he's not coming back and that's a, a kind of hard pill to swallow. Um, I, it reminds me a little bit of the close of last year, which was 755 years ago, for those of you keeping track, when we lost Sid Mead, right? right. Um, enormous, enormous loss also. Was I frozen there? You were just for a split second. Yeah, that was a little weird. Um, I'll go, just go back for just, just one second. Um, it reminds me a little bit of what would happen at the end of last year, um, 2019, which was 755 years ago, when we lost Sid Mead, the production. <laughs> a, a huge, huge loss to, uh, to all of us. So, uh, yeah, feeling that tonight. For sure. And just quickly, the people who we have lost that were connected to Alien, uh, as we mentioned, David Geiler, Peter Lamont, production designer for Aliens, Charles Lippincott, publicity, uh, publicity and photographer on Alien, Ron Cobb, conceptual artist on Alien, um, Ian Holm, who played Ash, you know, the iconic Ian Holm. Um, so it's been a pretty tragic year, um, but a lot of these uh, men were, you know, 80s, late 70s, long lives that they lived. So we certainly appreciate what they've done. Uh, and uh, passing the baton, literally, to um, Noah Hawley and Hulu and Disney as they take over Alien and uh, as they unfurl their new idea of what Alien is and can be. Um, but but we, before we get into that, I kind of want to go around the round table. And there's a lot of us here. Uh, just... I, be great to have some introductions. Um, I'm gonna. St I, I think we should start maybe with uh, the person on my left, which is Perry, and then we'll go from there. Um, just as brief as you can. Just tell us a little about yourself, but most importantly, like maybe uh, a, a memory or two of the Alien franchise or how you got involved and what your favorite film is of the series, if you have one. So, Perry, let's start with you. Yeah, totally. Um, hey, you guys, thanks again. Uh, love being here. Um, new to the group, obviously, but uh, yeah, where I, um, where should I start here? I guess, uh, Jamie, I know you're probably going to hate this, but I, I was a kid and the, I, the way I remember it, I think the first Alien film I actually watched was Alien Resurrection um, because I could... <laughs> 
uh, <laughs> it was the most recent release at that time. And I think my parents let me watch those types of movies. Um, or not types of movies, but uh, it was because it was like sci-fi with space. It wasn't like a reality to like a war film or something like that at the time. So like I really actually got into it uh, and because of the Kenner figures um, as well. I know, Patrick, you're a big fan of the gorilla alien. I had that scorpion alien, the mantis alien. I had all those um, as a kid and I, and I just loved uh everything about that around it. So anyway, it kind of crept on to like where I saw Alien on TV once, like my dad was watching TV, saw the chestburster scene um, and that was so powerful to me. And then that's when I finally um, started watching it. And I had another good uh, friend in grade school that was probably just as obsessed with the films as I was and had the figures as well, the Kenner figures and things like that. So we would collect them together and, and just um, bonded over that. But it turned into this whole, um, just, I guess, obsession, but thing into the whole Alien franchise. And that's where I followed it ever since. Uh, and so from there, I mean, I love the first three movies. Alien Resurrection, I did watch at the time when I was a kid, but... <laughs> Now, obviously, seeing it and growing up and understanding the things I do, um, it it obviously isn't. It doesn't touch the first three at all, and um, at all. And so, I uh, <laughs> I would have to say, Alien and Alien Three are definitely on par to be um, my favorites. Um, I love the first three. Obviously, it's really hard for me without the others. Without Alien, obviously, we wouldn't have um, the others or even Prometheus coming in. Uh, so yeah, I got I got to end it. I guess I don't know, man. The ending, Alien Three, is just like knowing everything about the friend and the things I know now and how and the struggles they went to make that film. It it just pushes it one notch maybe a tiny bit above alien but i you guys honestly like if i have nothing to do and i'm here i'd work from home re remote um now because of covid but uh i'll honestly just put alien on i probably watched that movie like a million times um i just have it running non-stop in our household um my wife gets sick of it sometimes but it's <laughs> fine so anyway i'll end it with that alien three yeah Your next match. Oh. <clears throat> Hi, everybody. Um, Majid. My name is Maj or Maj. Majid. You know, what are words? Anyway, friend of the show. I help out with social media. Happy to be back. And um, my favorite is, is the first one still, probably just overall. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to talk about the show. It's I, I have I have questions for you guys, what you guys think. And uh and um if you guys listening, um you know, want to be more involved with the show, you know, jump on Facebook with us. I know a lot of people don't have Facebook anymore. I help run the Instagram as well. If you want to um, uh, talk to us there, you know, Perry is a super fan on there to always giving us so much support. Now he's here chatting with us. So, you know, keep that in mind. And, and um, yeah. Yes, that was uh, actually a terrible, terrible part on art for us patrick we didn't really introduce maj who he is and what he does with the show so sorry about that maj maj oh, runs on, our our instagram account and he also posts via the facebook page facebook is still the number one social media 
thing that's used, by the way. Not with <laughs> anybody under 50. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the number one platform of weird uncles, I think, is, is the uh, of, of strange yeah. family members. Middle-aged people with hot takes. <laughs> there we go. And the occasional 28-year-old like me with an alias. <laughs> yeah. Derek, how about you? Well, hey, everybody. Thanks for having me. Um, I think probably my first memory of Alien, I was, I don't even remember how old I was, probably five, six, seven, somewhere around there. But I walked down the stairs in my parents' house, and my mom has Aliens on. It was on TV or whatever. And um, I walk in, and the first scene I ever see is Newt in the water being grabbed by the alien, and it just scared the shit out of me. And probably like first or second grade, um, went to a friend's house after school. And he's like, hey, you, you got to watch this movie. And he just showed me all like the battle scenes. And then I was hooked um, a couple years after that, a little bit older. Um, finally saw the first one and uh, been on the ride ever since. I've been slowly introducing my kids to it. Um, just showed them the third one the other day. And it's interesting to me is they don't seem to think that the alien itself is that scary. Um, I asked them what they thought of the movies and like, uh, it's, it's not anything I'd have a nightmare about. Um, so it's just, it's kind of interesting. I like, I like showing it to them. Um, you know, they're 10 and 11. So like daddy, we live in a nightmare now. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty, pretty much it. Um, my daughter, likes the first one the best and my stepdaughter likes the second one the best so far I haven't shown him resurrection yet um no i don't need. know if i'll show him that but. it's okay <laughs> yeah. like daddy these movies are stupid <laughs> yeah so that's that was kind of my introduction to it and uh yeah i've been watching them ever since i probably watched the second one the most um but recently alien 3 is probably my favorite just with how dark of a movie it is, how depressing. It seems, to me, it seems the most depressing movie. Um, and just having an end to it. I, I like the assembly cut, but I wish they would have had the original ending in the assembly cut. Um, that would have been more satisfying to me. And then I just, probably at least once a week, aliens in my dream in some way, shape or form. I don't know why it's, it, I'm not laying in bed thinking about them at night, but for whatever reason, I dream about them an awful lot. Awesome. Peter. Uh, Peter from the Midwest here. Uh, given the origin a couple times, so I'll keep it a little shorter um, than previous times, but um, Alien, or I get first introduction to Patrick and Jamie's through their other uh, sister podcast, Shoulder of Orion, um, Blade Runner. Blade Runner holds a place in my heart, uh, mainly through uh, influences from my dad and that throughout the years and, and sort of came reawakened to all that with 2049, found Jamie and Patrick and just sort of have loved being part of the part of the, the greater group group at this point um, for alien and aliens um, where there's a little more uh, emotional connection to Blade Runner and things like that alien is sort of my space for fun um, and even in there it's a little compartmentalized 
Um, Alien itself, uh, the original movie, is sort of the, the space for comfort, the space for um, thought. Um, you have you have the the wind moving through the ship. You've got just the sounds of mother. Um, it's a little more cerebral, and you can kind of lose yourself in it. Where Aliens is is just brings me back to being on the couch with friends. It's the analogy I always use, uh, which is why I just was drawn to. Uh, Perfect organism in sort of its infancy here on the show, and just uh, my favorite things are these town, uh, goddamn town meetings uh, with just people talking about it because it just reminds me of being middle school on the couch with friends talking about it. Um, so yeah, it's just it's fun to be here. I've purposely kept 100% um, completely uh, just in the dark about the series. I know nothing about it, so I want to hear you guys talk about it, tell me what it's about, and basically react as we would if we were just hanging out and talking about it for, for some of the first time. So I it's I just enjoy kind of staying aloof to it. So I'm excited to even hear what the heck this thing is going to be about, but I'm excited nonetheless. So welcome to the couch, guys. I'm excited. Awesome. Michael. Hi, everybody. I am uh, Michael McCull. I'm one of the guys from Perfect Organism that they just haven't been able to shut the door on yet. They keep just kind of letting me scurry back underneath the crack um, and give me a chance to to voice a little bit. Um, <clears throat> as, as everybody knows, my, my favorite, without doubt, is Aliens. Um, I'm a kid of the 80s. I grew up. That was the first one I came to. First first one I ever saw. I actually did it backwards. I watched Aliens um, with my dad. Um, and, uh, he kind of said, Oh, did you, did you like this? And I was like, yeah, he's like, well, you want to see, you have to see where it starts. So he of course pushed me back to see alien, which I, I didn't. And then loved that one. And, um, I'm going to be the one that's kind of the, the, the raw end of this because I, I despise alien three, um, not for what it is, but because, uh, Jamie and I have talked about this. So has Patrick and I, I was all on board as in ellen ripley is my favorite female character of anything anything i can get my hands on with her but she was just she was the tops for me and for that to, movie to bring her demise about even though i knew it had to happen it still kind of cuts a little deeper um than the other one so um yeah like i said i i you know i'm glad to join you guys on this and uh like i said i mean there's nothing greater than you know, join a bunch of other guys and talking about what we love. So thank you guys for having me on. Smell the throwdown. Yeah, Michael, I'm afraid we're going to have to say goodbye for yeah, the night. This has been, been a pleasure. Oh it's been God. so great seeing you, my friend. I'm like, as Jamie has it in the background, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I've been watching you the whole time. Just I have again. not talked to anybody just in taunting days. Okay, so oh, I'm going to yeah. talk to you and you're going to listen to me because I need to get out. All right. <laughs> So that's the way this is going to happen. Just take it and just let it go. I love how as the year has gone on, these like roundtables have gotten, like we've become increasingly bizarre because we've all been like quarantined for so long in all of our individual homes that we're forgetting how to interact with people. So yeah, there's going to be a lot of moments like that tonight. You know, I miss you it's, though, buddy. It's good to see you again. It's it's amazing like the how... um just how impactful like you know whatever the whole aliens versus alien alien three like all three of those movies this this the the um bespoke aesthetic of each of those movies is like so influential in its own right like i i, I was just you know on a random youtube dive you know how we do in 2020 you know just solo in the dark and um just like <laughs> yeah. just looking 
just looking at like um i was looking at this game this like old computer game from my youth and i was like this is this is alien 3 they like they took the whole vibe of alien 3 it's all like rust colored and it has like slight giger art to it and then but like aliens just um the sort of um you know even in hadley's hope like the the hallways are sort of like nostromo-y uh, space station and you just like that and the the pulse rifles and everything like that aesthetic like i knew what that was years before i saw aliens and like i just think and and that kind of even comes back to something i wanted to say to you perry which is like there's no shame in like you know where you start with these things you know there there's um there there's all types of there's so <laughs> Jamie, you're the all. one who saw Resurrection 340 I I, times yes. in fucking movie theaters, when I was Jamie. No, no, you know what? When you were getting your AARP card, you got the discount. Jamie, you're so, you're, so, you're so right. I should have just, like, gone back in time, told my parents, like, hey, can you can you do it earlier so I can, like, be more hip to this stuff? Were you not born? This is what the Alien series will be about. I, yeah. I was, uh, Alien 3 was 92, right? Or 91? Yeah. I was born in 92. Yeah. Yeah, I was born. Yeah, okay. Oh shit. Man. Oh, he was Lord. actually conceived on the set of Alien Three. <laughs> Twenty three and me. He's, he's Sigour- the child of Sigour- yeah, there we go. And um, Ron uh, and Ralph Brown. <laughs> yeah, I was conceived on on a on a on a stack of four hundred foot loads of Kodak. But uh, um, and I just say, I just wanted to say, I love Christy in that movie. When I was a kid, I loved the whole underwater sequence, and like I would watch that movie just for that sequence. I was like, oh, I saw it four times in the theater. I was fun. it was fun for sure. Yeah, I still like Resurrection. I still, I the fucking video game that came from that was a great. That was like a big part of my like eleven to twelve year old self was playing Alien Resurrection on PlayStation. Like, you know, no shame. There's no shame. Uh, before all. we continue, let's let Chase, let Chase go, and then we'll get into it. All right, uh, great to be here. Appreciate being on again. Uh, it's this is nice because as a kid, I didn't hang out with a bunch of people who who liked aliens, so I didn't ever have this. So I like how you guys have memories of hanging out with your friends on the couch, talking about it. But uh, when I first saw Alien, I was in it was like in my formative years, early in high school, and uh, I didn't have anyone that I was bouncing all these ideas off or bouncing all the emotion off of seeing the the space jockey for the first time. So uh, so it's definitely great to be here. But yeah, Alien's still my favorite, uh, no matter what. Alien, uh, you know what? Honestly, for a good while, uh, not so shamefully, for a long time, I had Alien, Alien Resurrection, Aliens, and Alien 3. It's changed. I've, <laughs> I've realized the error in my ways. Nope, nope, calling the alien police. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I can still enjoy it. It's it's not it's it's not a good film, but you know what? It's it's got its own it's merits. Beautiful to watch, maybe in a way. Oh yeah, well it's fun, uh, like we said. I it just remind, reminds me of I went and saw, I guess it was 2019. Yeah, um, the screening of Alien Resurrection with Jean Pierre Genet and a bunch oh. of the people who made it. This was last year at USC, and he as he was talking about it at the end, he was like, "Yeah, for every scene I." You know, he had an accident, of course. Like for every scene I, I approached, I thought, what gag could I pull? I was like, oh, fuck my life. <laughs> like, there we go. Um, but it is it is a bunch of fun, um, which I guess we should transition into why we're here tonight. Patrick, do you want to set it up? I would love to set it up. Um, I apologize. My, my connection for some reason has been a little wonky. So if I freeze, just just like make weird faces and I'll notice it when I come back. 
But you know what? My connection is freezing because we're all fucking online because we're at the end of 2020 and we're all stuck indoors and it's cold and it's dark out. And we're here with friends tonight and we have many friends on the call. And uh, and we're here specifically tonight to take the time to talk about the new series announcement and to unpack some of our ideas about what it could mean. As far as I know, there's been no further news on it you know, in the last week or so since the announcement actually dropped. But we have to remember this was a seismic moment in alien fandom this was something you know jamie and i talk a lot about how you know we have it because because i came on board in the aftermath of covenant right like i, I came on board in the scorched earth that the was best time after that movie when it was just, <laughs> it already had come out you know but i wasn't there for the whole lead up to it definitely the most dramatic time uh and uh, and so this was something where you know we hadn't had an announcement to be looking forward to together you know until this so this was a this was a big deal just for us as a podcast but as alien fans this is this is the grail that we've been waiting for it's not a film but it's new content and not only is it new content it's new content from somebody who like is very capable of doing new things very well from a company that has essentially an infinite budget for it so it's a very big deal on many different levels. And uh, and we wanted to take some time here tonight to see some of your thoughts about it. And, you know, we'll share some of ours too. I know we both have some of our opinions on what this earth setting might entail. But uh, but basically just to recap very briefly, what we do know about it is that Noah Hawley, the producer behind Legion and uh, Fargo, the television series and other things, uh, is going to be creating a series for FX via Hulu, via Disney, uh, on an alien that will be centered on Earth sometime in the quote-unquote near future. That's essentially the only thing we know about it. Uh, we also know that from a marketing speak standpoint, it will combine the horror of alien with the dynamite action of aliens, but that's all FX executive marketing talk, so who knows what that actually means. But yeah, that's basically, we know that Noah Hawley is going to be making a series, and it's going to be a streaming series on FX, and it's going to be coming out sometime in the future, and it's on Earth in the near future, and uh, go and Anybody wants to kind of jump in to get things uh, rolling. What were your thoughts when you heard this? And what are some of your ideas for what it could look like? I'll just jump in and say, um, you know, uh, we should all open our third eye. Ro Roger Deakins shot the original film Fargo. Okay. Fargo, the series, Blade Runner 2049, Blade Runner, Alien, Universe Confirmed is all I'm trying to say. I'm just kidding. Confirmed. But confirmed but no 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 i um well i have a question for you guys because patrick i know your your comic uh comic book consumption is for alien comics especially is very high and i know they've had a lot of storylines that took place on earth and like i i um i'm not like the guy in the meme who's like change my mind or whatever but i am like i was like oh i don't i can't I, I I can't think of a good story that takes place on Earth, but that's because that's why I'm not a professional screenwriter. So I'm wondering, any of you guys, please jump in. Like, is there a story that excites you either from the comics or from your mind that would take place? Like, I'm having trouble thinking of the setting. Like, what is the? Are, are they gonna? I hope they build out a whole interesting world that looks like you know unlike our own and and stuff like that. What do you guys think? Uh I don't know. I, I think uh, personally that it's going to be from the beginnings of uh, what goes on behind the scenes at Whalen. Um, I'm hoping it's something, I mean, they've, like I said, comic book wise, the stories are endless, um, but you, you get to a point where the comic books now are routinely becoming the same thing. Um, you know, one or two people get trapped somewhere, a hive get trapped on a planet that's desolate there's an outbreak 
everybody gets everybody gets killed one person survives you know it, it, so far they, they've become a little bit stale not that i wouldn't read every single thing that comes out from front to back but i personally am hoping um with who the people involved are um i'm really hoping it has more to do with the um underhanded what is going on at Wayland? what what are they doing mm. behind the scenes you know basically the the who are they willing to silence in order to go through with the plans they have um i don't know i mean we don't know if it's going to follow canon uh is it going to be something that will have the you know is this going to happen before you know prometheus um when they first got an idea of hey something there's something out there we got to go take a look at let's go um I don't know. I, I just, I hope it's something, I hope it's something that really shows Wayland in the sneaky sabotage kind of down world and, and, you know, something like that. I mean, I, of course the, the alien fan in me, I want to see some kind of connection creature, you know, something involved in there. Um, but I don't have to, uh, you know, like I said, this might be one of those things where they can show it from a different light um because as, as we've all come to know wayland is is number enemy number one um but they really never built on it you just always found out at the end of these movies that they were the one that was was breaking the rules and bending the laws and everything like that so me personally that's what i'm hoping for i'm hoping for a uh, sort of a behind the scenes you know what what really is going on Uh, yeah, I uh, I kind of I kind of agree because I don't know if there's so it depends on what near future means. We've all kind of talked about that. You know, it's been referenced. We're not sure exactly when this is going to happen, but uh, the only way I see an uh, an Earth setting and a near future setting, the only way I see it is uh, something like that, where it has to do with Wayland, whether it's uh, their beginnings or if it's the first time they they have they get like information about the xenomorph existing or something my mind immediately goes to something uh similar to alien covenant origins the prequel book which by the way i think sucks uh but <laughs> uh, but it, it's that's the kind of thing so i mean i can imagine something in that sort of vein but i'm, I'm only cautiously optimistic right now because uh I just I think the the near future and the earth setting it seems to kind of box it in, but that's because I'm imagining them going back to the same well that they've always gone. Like Mike said, how it's getting a little stale with the sort of formulas that they've been working with with the movie. So yeah, I think it's probably going to be some something to do with uh, the beginnings of Wayland or the very inklings of uh, their humans in this timeline, their idea of the xenomorph and that it exists. If they learn anything from I don't know the 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 less than positive reactions to like previous the past few films i think it just like it, uh, i think what people don't want is answers to questions we don't have so just like as long as they give us um something i don't know like i the the mandalorian it's had to get brought up it's a high standard i think we're all like coasting off that high of like oh my god that's so awesome but I, i'm still so excited my i'm not gonna go in with my with my nose turned up and you know my arms folded because it's like um it's an alien show it's just you know it's like we should all you know i'm just grateful to have it i agree I there's a, oh go ahead oh sorry Derek, jump um, in there I'll, I'll be happy to watch whatever it is they decide to put out, but I, I feel like personally what I would want to see, and it, it leaves a pretty limited scope, but 
Um, I guess I don't know how it starts, but just earth being wrecked, you know, you've got pockets of resistance and there's just no hope and humanity's falling to these things. Um, just a really desperate and dark show and eventually it's overrun and nobody survives. I don't know why that would interest me, but it does, but it just, I mean, it doesn't get you beyond a season. That's dark. Like yeah, that's it. very fun. That's uh, <laughs> not, but no, I kind of agree. Even, uh, I don't know. They didn't announce whether it's going to be like a mini series or not, but the, uh, the potential there, if it is something more like a mini series or a one season series, there's, it's usually, that usually means they have a clear, you know, goal in mind with the story or they have a clear art plan. So, you know, I, I'd be down for that. But it's also good that uh, it's also good that we don't know that much. I mean, obviously, we're going to know a lot more before the, it really starts going in production. But it's kind of nice to have just a completely clean slate. I said I had cautious optimism, but at the same time, I mean, they could they could be giving me anything when it finally hits air. So it's exciting. For me, there's like a lot of competing. It's almost like the two sides of your brain trying to compete here. We've got, obviously, you know, there's a big emphasis, especially from, from Jamie on, on character development and the human element and just the interesting stories you can tell through the humans. And I think there's a lot to be said. Um, again, Jamie, I'm going to keep kind of throwing you up there. Sorry. Um, but, you know, and hearing what you guys are talking about, like with Wayland and you got the whistleblower show and you've got the, the behind the scenes, you've got basically Alien West Wing. Um, you've got lobbyists working to get these things, um, this this type of research or development or just diabolical schemes, you know, passed and through various areas of government. And you've, you've got an endless well, I think, of just amazing storytelling. But then I think you do have this competing interest of, I mean, it's alien. And I've said before, I mean, one of my favorite draws to it is the xenomorph and you'd want to show that for me there's the two parts again there's alien and there's aliens both are amazing and but they're two different things you have alien where there's just it's it's the creature it's the mystery it's the weird dancing of this thing you're like what the fuck is this thing doing versus swarms and just the full out you know guns to the wall of aliens which is also amazing but I think for me, just hearing even the earth part makes me worried because I go a lot to what Derek has said and you know what Michael was saying about the, the comics. And I mean, how quickly could the season be over? I mean, an alien on earth, especially if it's more than one and there's some form to reproduce, the whole earth is gone in no time. I mean, you have covenant, which is this entire world. There's nothing left. There's some spores, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, how much really content can you have if there are actual xenomorphs running around on Earth with any way to create or anything like that? So, and my big worry is because it's Disney um, and, you know, uh, you, you've got the Marvel movies, you've got the Star Wars movies, and you've got this sort of now endless budget to sort of create the sea of aliens. Um, I think just hearing the earth part really wants me to hope that they, and this is all again, coming from the hips. This is the first time I heard the earth part makes me worried that all of a sudden it's just nameless aliens 
you know, you've got the Star Trek redshirt aliens just running around, CGI waves getting mauled down, and there's no re reverence. There's no f actual fear. It's just, hey, don't go outside, or you got the walkers. You know, you got like a Walking Dead sea of aliens out there. It's a horde. Okay, the, I really do like what you guys are talking about regarding this is the time when they start developing it. You've got people. We don't even need to see an alien for a long time, but I think they could still bring in our love of the alien in discussions about it through journals, through research, through glimpses. I don't know. I'll kind of get off now. I'm starting to ramble, but I mean, I do see a, a much better realm through uh, a personal story, through a, a story um, that, again, will sort of bring the xenomorph back into this sort of reverence and sort of mythical being more so than just the endless wave. So that's kind of my initial thought to this. I would love, again, West Wing aliens. How are these lobbyists going to convince uh, the general public that we should fund uh, some new research when we're all trying to get our $600 stimulus checks, um, but you're going to spend <laughs> billions to go find some stupid egg and stick your face in it. So I don't know. That's my initial thoughts. I'll well, jump in. No, go ahead. Patrick, you're mute. <laughs> Making it very 2020 relevant. I appreciate that. <laughs> Well, I was just going to say, I think that there's a couple of things, like like everyone else, I'm concerned that it's an Earth setting. Uh, I think there's only so much you can do on Earth. We've seen the, oh no, they're overtaking the Earth. I mean, Jurassic Park, I think the next Jurassic World movie is they're overtaking Earth. So I think we kind of can expect what's going to happen in that movie. So I, I'm also nervous about that. I don't know what you can do in an Earth setting that isn't, oh, look, they've escaped, run, you know, like... But uh, pulling back from that, and Patrick and I have discussed this ad infinitum, um, make the aliens scary, make the characters good, I'm sold. Um, and I hope it's not set in the USA, to be honest with you. I, that, I don't want, like, we have too much baggage. Independence Day, all that bullshit. Um, not that it wasn't fun to watch. Um, <laughs> but I, I really hope it's, but at the same time, it's still so, okay, so say if it's not set in, the USA, what if it's set in like a CDC type thing? But we've seen that too. So what if, but then how does it, I, I'm playing these, I've been playing these scenarios out in my head since this has been announced. Like, well, what could they do? Say the, some, say a satellite brought something back. Oh, we've seen that too though. Oh, look, it brought something back. What is it? Oh no, we've seen that. Um, or say there's astronauts who got something from another planet and they came back. We've seen that too. So what can they do? I, I really don't know what they're going to do um, that's going to be wholly original, but I know that Noah Hawley could probably figure that out. And he went through um, what alien is to him. He said, if you take the aliens out, what is the story about? It's about people that are trapped. It's about people in their darkest hour. And he said, if you figure that out and you throw the aliens back in, there's your story. And I think he's, he's correct. I, but to Michael, was that your point? Like we've seen like everything. It's been, it's in a ship, it's on a planet, it's on a space station, whether it's in the comics or whether it's in the show, even, you know, the last two prequels have been, oh, look, a derelict, don't go in there. We're going in there, infection. I mean, how many times are we gonna see these same things over and over? Um, we haven't seen them on earth. Um, I just, 
I also don't, but we did see a AVP Requiem, unfortunately, and they're on Earth, and it's ridiculous. Not just not that Noah Hawley would even be close to. Could you imagine garbage. if after this he comes out with fucking <laughs> resurrection style? Like, what? They hire who are the guys? This is who what he was lobbying them? for. <laughs> who are the guys who did Requiem? I can't remember their names. Oh, uh, oh, Anodyne. What is it? Uh, Curly and Moe. <laughs> the brother Strauss. The brother, the brother, the brother Strauss. Strauss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch them be hired for like uh, to direct an episode, <laughs> <The> pilot. <laughs> you know, I got. I got to be honest. Like, I, I am the. I'm definitely like of the the um the alien camp of like the mythic. Um, you know, what is this thing? The mystery, the the mystique, all that. But they promised the action of aliens, and as we're talking this through, I'm getting like kind of excited Bro. about like the John Connor version of like of like we like episode one. Half the Earth is gone. Like we are like dwindling. I don't know. It could be cool. It could be exciting. No, Jamie's shaking his head. No, whatever. I'm just giving you shit. I'm just giving you shit. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me run into like Jim from the office, like the silent movie where it's like, oh, oh inside our house, oh, yeah. there's an alien scratching our door. Like, That's no, a good it, movie. there well, will be no standing house. If xenomorphs are on the earth, mm, yeah. like there is I, no, so there can't be the, I'm going to go get some gas. I hope I make it. Like, <laughs> no, like, uh, so the earth that, setting, the, the more I'm sitting here, and again, it's fun that this is the first time, but. The, I'm having a lot of trepidation. If there can't be a xenomorph on Earth, and please, you know, all the resurrection talk has me going, and it makes me think of kind of Cold Forge. Um, I, not to compare the two, because Cold Forge I love. Um, yeah. But you know, Earth aliens make me start to think of like they're they're gonna learn stuff and they're gonna open doors and all of a sudden. <laughs> Uh, no, just I don't how know. could they cook I, the eggs, man? The random, <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the funny uh, thing you is, though, a restaurant <laughs> they turned capitalist. No, that's right. Like, so we're we're all fans of the series. Um, but I, I know for myself one thing, um, the one thing that I have forever wanted to see, um, one of my favorite comic books that it was in, um, in actually in Aliens New Ta Newt's Tale. Um, you actually got to see what happened to the colony. Okay. Like we've never actually in a movie, we've seen the aftermath. We've seen what, what would be the beginning of it, but we've never actually seen what would honestly happen if all hell breaks loose. Like, where does it start? Did it start with, you know, okay. So we, you start with that kind of a plan. And then from there you go with, um, okay. So Wayland's now involved with it. Okay. They know there's an outbreak, but they're not going to say anything about an outbreak. They want to see how fast this can spread through a um, uh, colony. Do they have this colony somewhere on earth as in like, say middle of nowhere, you're out in, in the outskirts of, of China, Russia, um, you know, somewhere in the middle of nowhere that they have this, what they think is a controlled area. Um, and they're sitting back testing. They have live people that they're just destroying some call, you know, some, um city some village and basically sitting back and watching studying what's happening and that's that under you know sort of downtrodden kind of way that they work you know life's expendable everything's expendable you know to them but like i, I mean i know for a fact the one thing in all the alien series that i would have loved to have seen was the actual events that happened at hadley's hope and seen 
how the first one happened, where it went from there, not not coming into where the place is destroyed, but actually seeing, you know, and there's your characters. I mean, you can put people involved in that. You know, have we have we seen that in other kind of movies? You know, to a point, yeah, but to actually build characters where you have your, you know, that's what made Aliens Aliens was having Ripley, having Newt, having Hicks, the ones that you got behind, the ones that you could relate to, like, holy crap, we're in the middle of a hellstorm right now, and what do we do? You know, so you take those people that are just everyday Joes that are just working normal jobs, and the next thing you know, they're in the middle of just Armageddon. Um, I mean, that that to me is a working scenario of how this could work on Earth. You know, oh, here goes again, the company. Oh, we're just going to start this in a small area in the middle of nowhere. Well, the next minute it's in this. And and that runs, unfortunately, that runs right into the status of 2020. That, that would hit so hard that it's, you know, you don't even realize how quickly that whole scenario um, can just explode. Um, but like, I, I mean, that's just my two cents. I, I just think seeing the actual from start that first person that comes in with a you know with a, a face hugger on from when that all goes wrong and in and it just rips through a whole city um i mean you know and i think like, you're absolutely just, right outbreak that's, that's, that word. would be my thinking yeah an outbreak exactly yeah absolutely. i would agree and i think if they approached it if they used in part the model based off how we as a society right now are dealing with an outbreak we're fucked like we're dead all of us you know yeah. maybe not all of us i think it's interesting um if if and i i feel like they're setting it in the near future possibly for that reason to say well how would humanity deal with this um but again it's it's divisive and uh back to an original point and i think all the whale and stuff is interesting but i don't want any really i don't want I would rather them not even touch Wayland or anything that we know. I'd rather a completely new story with new with new people. Maybe some, like they do some, you hear some words, some names here and there. But I feel like as a fandom, we need a complete separation from all of that. Um, so he can be, be free to tell whatever story he wants to tell without having to use Charles or Peter, whichever one. I don't know. who's who. Which one is it? Peter. Prometheus? Peter. Peter. Okay. Uh, but... Uh, not to say that even if they did use Wayland and Utani or whatever, I think Holly is brilliant enough where he could do it pretty, he could do an amazing job of it. So I'm certainly willing to see whatever he, he offers us. Yeah, I, I think I think what we need is a Mandalorian moment. And I know somebody was saying <laughs> yes. that. I apologize. I've only heard about one out of every eight <laughs> words, but I reset my router so I know now I can catch up on things. Somebody's mentioning Mandalorian. To me, that's the approach that we need is something that takes place in parallel to and can kind of just interface with elements we recognize from the canonical films, but won't. Because here's the thing. It's like Prometheus takes place in 2093. Covenant takes place in 2104, right? You have this little period of time there between those where the events of, I think Chase was mentioning this, Alien Origins, the prequel novel takes place, right? That Alan D. Foster came up with. And that is the only thing we've had so far, which has been basically a xenomorphless earth set alien story, you know, about basically organizational breakdown. And there, and although we adore Alan Dean Foster, and I was just talking to him this afternoon and he's coming on the show. So I, I want to make sure it's clear that we love Alan Dean Foster. Um, that was not a huge hit in fandom, that particular novel, because it was missing a lot of the elements that I think we, we look for when we look for, you know, alien stories. And again, the, the, the basic gist of that is that before the covenant took off, this sect, this religious kind of sect came about and it tried to derail the plans because they felt like for various reasons that Armageddon was appropriate and that this should be the end and that life shouldn't continue as we knew it. 
Um, and so, it, and it had this whole mythology built around it, but it didn't resonate with me as an alien fan because it didn't feel like a, like a work of art set in the alien universe. I, I think going back to something that Michael was talking about, uh, I, I, I'm very excited about the idea of something similar to um, the events in Prey, the video game. I don't know if anybody's played that fucking awesome video game Prey before. Uh, there's uh, by Bethesda. So, uh, you know, in that game, they're studying, they're, you know, there's an orbital space station, they bring back a life form, and the life form is way more advanced than they realized, and it overruns this research facility, and everything goes to shit really, really quickly, and it's very frightening. I think something like that could really work, and I don't, I, I agree with what others have said, and what I've heard of what others have said, which is that, um, that I, I think that this should not necessarily be very dependent on the xenomorph as an entity in and of itself. I think that this is something that, like, if it's kept a little bit freer from canon, I think would be a good thing. But I think that the basic ideas of infection and paranoia and outbreak and body horror and terror, I think those are things you can you can pretty much patch onto anything that has decent characters and a good setting into it. And so I think that, um, you know, when I look at what Noah Hawley has done, and, and again, the only things that I know of his have been Fargo seasons one through four and Legion, um, what I do know of those is that he's really good at taking very strange kind of self-contained settings and going wild with it and having this whole universe unfold in very closed environments. Um, and I think that like, if anybody knows how to do that, it's, it's him. So, so I, I personally really trust him with this. And I, and I, and I do think going back to something that Jamie was alluding to, I think that um, there is a reason why Disney circled back around to him, because as we knew, this was something that was already on the radar back last November, at least, right, where he was interviewed about what could have been, and he was like, oh, I had this great idea, and I pitched it, and it didn't really go anywhere, right, and then all of a sudden, now it's back. I, I think what he wrote, or what he was thinking, does map onto what has happened in this crazy fucking year that we've been surviving. Mm -hmm. I think that this does speak to our current moment, and I think Disney, which can smell profit anywhere it you know, puts its nose is like, oh, wait a minute, this is something that will resonate right now. Why don't we circle back to Noah Hawley? You know, he just finished the season of Fargo. It was a big hit again. Maybe he's you know, got the availability in the schedule and they worked it out. So I think that he has something to say that speaks to our current moment. And I personally think that it does have to do with contagion and it does have to do with bureaucratic breakdown. Mm -hmm. I don't think it has to do with the xenomorph per se. I think it probably has to do with things that presage the xenomorph. I think this is something that does take place significantly before 2093. I think this is pre-Prometheus. I think this is something in it that is honestly in, the, in 20 years from now or something. Um, and I think that, that that could be so cool to see play out. We will I'd see an alien, see I think, by the end of it. But Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to see, you know, and I'd hope, you know, Patrick, from what you what you were saying and what kept popping in my head is, is the boardroom scene at the beginning of Aliens and just a lot of here's either someone who has experienced this. Um, I still think, you know, keep keeping the Xenomorphs Morphs off Earth. Michael, I love that idea. And either they're, if they're going to do it, just go full fucking full, as Patrick would say, just go full ass. Just no half ass and just full ass. It's just both fucking on. cheeks. Just put both cheeks right into just it. Put yeah. both cheeks and stick a xenomorph right up it, and just have you know that. But then, if you're not going to do that, if you're not just going to fully dedicate yourself to just all out xenomorph chomping, then Earth could be the setting of the boardroom, of the hiding it, of the. I mean, to a lot of again, to going to current events, you have protests, you have something out there happening to a group of people maybe not everyone really cares about. You have people who've colonized somewhere 
and things are going, it could even be Hadley's hope, which would be a good way to tie it in. But how do you explain that then? What's been going on at Earth on Earth to explain away how these people either disappeared? Why don't they matter? Why aren't more people in the streets protesting the fact that I knew someone on Hadley's Hope and now they're, I can't get a hold of them. I don't know what's going on. And so a lot of that would do it, but I'd, I'd love the whole sort of bureaucracy and again, just the mention and you know, we're gonna do it all through this episode. Jamie's favorite thing to do is talk about Star Wars on Perfect Organism. <laughs> um, but you know, there's moments I'm, I think of Rogue One when there's mention of Jedi and they sound so much fucking cooler than they ever actually were on screen. We have people <laughs> talking about how it was. And I think they could do a lot with that with the Xenomorph as well. You don't necessarily have to throw it in there and have a bunch of CGI. Um, yes, but it has again. the action of aliens. So all the board members <laughs> have pulse rifles. Yes, of course. <laughs> of course. That's how it'll work. Right, and that's how you could do it. I mean, go back to a bunch of body cam stuff. Show, show the the colonies yes. or whatever you're trying to the, the information you're trying to suppress. Do it through security cam footage. Do it through body cam footage. Do it through. Ooh, the body cam footage. It, is a good idea. Just, just don't bring them to Earth. Don't bring the pets. Don't domesticate them. That's all I'm saying. I could be wrong and whatever, but that's, I, I just Dude, keep going back to that. That's an I was awesome say, idea. I mean, can you imagine right now how big social media is? So it's one of these things where these guys get like body cams and there's scenes and someone's trying to release it. And then another group is trying to keep it quiet. And yeah. oh, that's an awesome idea. Very that's cool. Idea. <laughs> guys, no, I think we should pitch it. That's right. Let's we have do a chance. It. Jamie, you write it up. Spitball. <laughs> fucking Disney's like, we'll green light it. I don't care. We'll make anything right now. It doesn't matter. No, I was going to, I think it uh, would be really cool. I, I love obviously everything, whatever it is, good characters. Um, and it has to be scary. Jamie, I'm all behind you on that. I, it would be great. Peter, like your idea from the boardroom to like, uh, football, you guys have seen the movie, um, ex machina or ex machina. Ex machina. Yeah. Great yeah, movie. We rate on that. Yeah. Love that movie so much. And I just, um, it'd be cool to see like, okay, we see this level of whether it's connected to Wayland or not, but you see the boardroom level and then you see like, you have this main character because I would love it for it to go several seasons, but, um, you know, you have somebody testing something or like in this, cause that was on earth, you know, but not, it was like in this testing facility and, um, just like something like that where something goes wrong. So then you have that going up wrong, but then maybe the whole Hadley's hope perspective of it too. And that's where you get like your hard characters in there that are going to be solid throughout, um, a good amount of seasons and storyline. Uh, yeah, I, I would just love to see something to that effect because even though in Ex, Mo um, Ex Machina, like the robots, right? Like, and there wasn't anything scary about the robot itself specifically, but the end, just the twist at the, the whole end, dude, I was like, I was blown away by that ending and I, and I love that movie for that. But uh, yeah, it would just be cool to see something like that. And then maybe like, Michael, they connect it like season two is maybe connecting into that overrun outbreak. But yeah, I agree. Don't bring the alien into it right away and keep the majestic, the garlic, the magnificent. 
<laughs> fucking keep that in there, you know? <laughs> totally. Whether or, it's like, go ahead, go Jason. ahead, go ahead. All I was gonna say is whether it's Hadley's hope or not, I, I'd be very surprised if there wasn't some tether to space, like in some way, like it, maybe not even throughout the whole show, but like the entire thing on Earth. I, if it's good, it's good. I don't care, but I'd be surprised. I mean, you know, again, I'm very excited. It's all positivity here, but you know, that's part of the, the, the hopelessness and the nihilism of alien. I think is that like, you're also just in the abyss, like the literal abyss of space. And like, like just for an example, uh, I, I remember, um, uh, showing, uh, showing my, my girlfriend back when I was like 19, um, uh, I was like, oh, aliens on. She's like, what's that? And I told her and the chestburster scene was coming. I was like, oh man, watch this part. So we watched it. And then that part kind of grossed her out. But when Kane gets ejected into space, that's when she was like, can we turn this off? And you know what I mean? That's powerful. So like, and also, you know, there, I think there's a, a version of this show where where episode one is like something something crash lands like something something comes down for you know and it starts there or the first face hugger uh you know patient zero type thing um go ahead jamie sorry about that no i i i think that that's very interesting what it reminds me of is what did we see in the beginning of prometheus that ship fucking coming to earth and seeding earth and that thing fell in the water what else did it release in the water i mean the setup's already there if they wanted to reconfigure it a little bit but to that moment that freaked out your girlfriend I, I as we were talking i keep thinking well what about aliens scares us the most confusion and the silence they're totally unprepared for what they're about to to well what they discovered and how they handle it and there's so much silence and that's the part of that film that to me is more scary than the creature itself is they're all sitting there like well, what do we do what do we do? And nobody knows what to do. They're trying a few things. And so then the, then uh, Kane is gone. Uh, and it's just the silence of their own fear. That's why, to, for me, that's why Alien is so powerful. Um, and why Alien 3 is also powerful, where that fear has come home for Ripley and it's the end of the line for her, literally. Uh, it's the end of the line for her. Um, but I, I also think that Noah Hawley probably understands that. It's just the mechanics of it that I, I can't figure it out. In Aliens as well. I mean, if he if he's really taking notes from Aliens, there's so much quiet in that movie. Like, there it, is. It, you know, it's Actually, like an hour before. It, yeah. yeah. They're, they're just creeping around like they're going like when I only really noticed it when I was watching it with friends who hadn't seen it. And they are waiting for something to pop out for like an hour and it's just quiet they're creeping through labs and all this stuff so i i agree i hope that it's like a huge part of it it's got to be you know that yeah i think a great think case study and why uh and what what jamie's talking about is is isolation which i'm playing for the three thousandth time right now there's there i like, just started I, it patrick oh yeah for the first time yes oh yeah. dude i'm so excited for amazing. you barry let there. me know what you think <laughs> Uh, I shit my amazing. pants every time. I have to like <laughs> work so myself up to wanting to start to where I left off. <laughs> anyway, go <laughs> it's, ahead. It's so scary. But the reason it's scary, it. it's not when the aliens there. It's not even when the working Joes are there or anything. It's not even when you're getting chased by a bunch of you know fl flaming raincoat you know encrusted working Joes. Like those moments that are like set pieces aren't scary to me. It's the moments where like I'm just fucking 
waiting for something to happen and I just don't know how it's going to happen. And I'm like, oh my God, I have to move from this fucking corner that I've been in for five minutes. And I really don't know if that's okay. You know, and then you go out the corner and, and like, and like her knee hit something and you're like, oh my God. Right. But it wasn't actually <laughs> the alien. It was just my knee, but it was so scary. And that, that, that subtle tension is so great. And part of why I think specifically, I know we're not here to talk about isolation, but part of why it works so well in isolation is because the Sevastopol is an alien environment, right? Because the Sevastopol is a derelict in motion, essentially, right? It's this semi-abandoned, broken space flotsam and jetsam, basically, that we're trapped on in this awkward moment because the, you know, the thing we were crossing broke down. And I feel like it's such a, it's such a weird feeling to walk around those hallways because it sounds like a living creature. And it sounds like it, you look around and it should be something that it's not. And then as you experience the environment in real time, you realize like, oh, there's a lot more going on here than I knew at the outset. And what else is happening? The thing with Earth, as many of you were saying very wisely, I think, is that it's really hard to capture that because it's not an alien environment to us. Of course, there are things on Earth that are, right? We've only explored 10% of the ocean. There's plenty of places, you know, in Myanmar that we don't know about. There's, there's plenty of things around the world that would feel potentially alien. Iceland looks like an alien planet, right? But I think to do that would be to do a disservice to what he's trying to do, which is to set it on Earth. If you put it on Earth and you put it, you put it in an alien thing in Earth, then why not just put it in an alien environment, right? The trick, I think, is that uncanny valley thing that you can capitalize on when you take something very uh, known and you transmogrify it into something frightening. So I, I don't know why I'm bringing up video games so much, but, but Silent Hill has always been something very close to my heart. And part of why I love those games so much is because they take place in that liminal spot where something really, really familiar can suddenly become really, really frightening if you look at it the wrong way. And to me, like, that's what Noah Hawley can get. If he wants to set this on Earth, make Earth itself something frightening to us. Make it something we're confused about. Make it something disorienting. Um, because, and in any of the films, and Aliens, I think, is very much included in this, the scariest moments are usually the moments where we can't tell. Like Jamie was saying, we can't tell what we're looking at. We can't tell what's happening. Um, and that space right there, I think, is a sweet spot for the, the type of horror that Alien can conjure. Whether it's what we can't tell what's happening to our body, we can't tell what's happening with this organism, we can't tell what it wants, we can't tell where it's coming from, we can't tell what gender it is, we can't tell where, where, where you know, if we're going to survive, we can't tell if we're going to be ovomorphed, we can't tell any of this shit, right? Uh, so yeah, so I, I think that's, that's the big challenge. And that's why I think a lot of us cringed a little bit about the earth setting thing, because of course it's been done a few times now, and we've never enjoyed it, especially with the Predator stuff. But also in the comics, for the most part, when when you know they go into art, Earth in the comics, I, I found that not quite as enjoyable either. So anyway, that being said, uh, I think it's a it's a hell of a challenge. Somebody else was going to say something. I'm sorry. I, uh, no, I, I, I agree with you, Patrick. Exactly. I honestly, I was you and I are on the same wavelength right there. I, I know for myself, and, and it's so funny to to reference other movies. Um, we've all done it because we find bits and pieces for that. Uh, I've always found like so one of the movies that scares the crap out of me just for the environment is the movie is called the descent oh god um, fucking great oh, movie. oh my god that's that so scary so, 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 so there's so a part scary. of that movie where the girl was climbing through a hole and her book bag gets caught i find myself at home literally holding my breath and like my my wife will look over me she'll be like what are you doing i'm like i can't breathe like i can't <laughs> breathe I, like i'm in this moment right now and it just freaks me out so i i, th I think it's funny how um if you're if it's a deep ocean say it's a movie about the deep ocean and something goes wrong the first thing everybody tries to do is get to the surface okay then you have a movie that takes place in space everybody wants to get out of where they're at and get back to land so what happens when you set a movie or set the series on earth and you can't go anywhere 
every other time you do something, you're escaping to get back to somewhere. If something happens in the ocean, you want to get back to the surface. If something happens in a space station, we have to get off the space station, and get back down to Earth. Well, now what happens when Earth is the, it's where it's at. Now, where do you go? And like, and, and that just that, that feeling, cause like, you know, if, if it's a movie, um, the abyss is a great movie. Um, that, right. that feeling like, like, I know when I watch that, I'm constantly thinking like the whole time you, you, you pull yourself in because you're just thinking like, I can't go out. Like, and that's the worst part of those movies. And, and, you know, even alien, that's the best part about alien. There's a creature on the ship. Where do we go? Like, we have nowhere to go that it's outside. You can't, there's nowhere to go. That's so why I, uh, you could yeah, start so it with yeah. aliens had already yeah. been taken over. So I, I just, I just, think it, <laughs> yeah, it'd be so cool if it's like, I mean, that makes the earth, the, the best part of that whole thing yeah. is the fact there's nowhere to go. What are you going to do? You're going to jump on spaceships and take off or, or where are you going to go? And that the earth seems to be like, always seems to be like the home point where everybody's trying to get back to for that security. And then when all of a sudden that security blanket is the problem, where do you, where do you go? Mm. And I, well, I take, um, just, you know, we've got a good, we've got a pretty good Midwest contingent here tonight with Perry and Derek um, up in Minnesota. <laughs> and why not? You know, we've already got the writer and guy from Fargo. Throw <laughs> in the plains. I mean, I've I, one of the, my first connections with uh, Jamie and Patrick was I drive a lot for my job in rural areas, and so I'm always going through just blank fields. You know, in the winter it's flat, and in the summer it's corn. And, you know, I'm, I'm always listening to either Perfect Organism or Shoulder of Orion. And, you know, I'm sitting there daydreaming. We'll listen to everyone. And how many times have I, you know, seen a xenomorph climbing on a barn or in the middle of a field somewhere and talk about not being able to hide? I mean, you've got nothing but freaking miles of just plain planes and you've got, you know, xenomorph. And so I'd, I, I'd see that. Throw them on, but they got to be throw them in the Great Plains, throw them in the Great uh, Midwest. You got some lots action. of guns. Yep. Yeah, exactly. You've already got <laughs> built guns in. We don't even need pulse rifles, guys. <laughs> I mean, this year alone, gun sales have gone insane. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, everyone here, there's like 20. So you got, it, it would be good. So, you know, well, I just want to say just briefly, just that could be dope. Briefly, there's, a, there's a scene in Vincent Ward's rejected script for Alien 3 that is an alien chasing people in a cornfield. So, I, yeah. I it, it, and it works great in that setting. So, you never know. Who Joss Whedon re, uh, recycled that in a version of, uh, for Alien Resurrection where there's a whole level that was like a farm level and the aliens are running through the fields. Killing oh, that's off, right. Oh, yeah. Which yeah, they yeah, didn't yeah, film yeah, for yeah, budgetary yeah. reasons. Oh, He's but like, hear me out. Hear me out. Basketball, <laughs> basketball <laughs> cornfield. <laughs> Uh, but one, well, big one John Deere equipment you're just driving right through <laughs> yeah. them well there's a whole there's a whole sequence with a tractor and the alien in, i mean ripley drives a no, tractor in the second one it's just you know it's sure. writing sure. itself guys this is writing itself <laughs> well i think i was gonna say if, if it's on earth they escape and they just wind up and they find themselves on the betty and those things and they they just know that they're gonna be uh, the face suckers are gonna come on them. I don't know. Oh, man. <laughs> wow, a lead well, into think... Alien Resurrection, ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was his whole bitch. All the way to twenty four hundred or whatever. Yeah. Right, right. Oh, <laughs> well, I think one interesting part point is that I don't know. I I was lost in the woods once when I was fifteen, and it was fucking scary. Oh. And it's a very familiar setting that then becomes completely. It almost turns into your enemy. You don't know where to go. You're lost. You don't know. It, it becomes something very terrifying. So Earth 
much like we hear stories all the time of whether it's the Donner Party or um, uh, the, the, the expedition that the terror was based off of, where it's very familiar territory because it's Earth and we're all familiar with it becoming um, your worst nightmare. So I think there is potential. Roanoke Colony, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Where, I mean, the thing is, you know, set in Antarctica and there's nobody around except for this small group of scientists or whatever doing, you know, their research. And it's terrifying. Nothing, what looked like what was once the day before, oh, look at that beautiful landscape, the snow or in the mountains then becomes we're trapped. We have nowhere to go. We don't know where this thing is. But that's also tricky too, because we we also, we have seen that before. Uh, AVP. Yeah. Another yeah, time. Look how cool the setting the better was. Better Prometheus, yes. What yes. was the, um, which one of the Planet of the Apes, um, the new, the newer ones took place. There was one where there's that whole battle scene that's in like the Redwood Forest. The last uh, one, this, yes. I think it's the good. final one. I think it's the third one. Yeah, those like, dawn of the rise of the battle of the Planet just, of the it's Apes. So, it's so, it's <laughs> <laughs> That, that, I think that scene was awesome. I mean, that's a yeah, it was fucking great, awesome. I love that Jamie, scene. Jamie, I mean, I, I think that's, I, I think loved you it. hit on it. It's oh, that yeah. dark, like, you don't know if you turn around, because that's the one thing they tell you about people, and that's why people go crazy when they get lost in the woods, because they there's no direction. Yeah. I mean, so imagine something where you're stuck in the middle of, you know, like, we'll guarantee, like, California, where, like, you're in the Redwood Forest, and you have no idea which way you're going. You know something's in there, but you have no idea how to get around it, where you're going, it, you know, up, down, left, right, so... That's pretty cool. Yeah, and, but then all of a sudden, I think well, they did that with Predator effectively. Um, so I don't know if they could do that because it would make the aliens. It would. It's hard to think of an idea of that that they would pursue where we have not seen a version of it before. I I probably I assume when it drops, we don't know when the release date is. I would imagine either end of next year or sometime in twenty twenty two. Twenty twenty two. Yeah. Um, I would imagine it's going to be somewhat familiar to us. It's going to be something that's, but it's not going to matter if we're in, if we're, if there's another, if there's characters that we believe in, if the alien is scary or whatever. Uh, and I love the idea of what you were saying, Patrick, like the board meeting, uh, the discussions where oftentimes, and if we think about, and we've had this discussion on our shows before, the idea of who was the real alien in this show, was it Wayland Dutani or was it the actual creature? Because Wayland Dutani was pretty, nefarious i mean think if you think about uh, conglomerates and businesses they've done some pretty horrible fucking things to humanity um wayland yutani sent that ship to the derelict they are the ones who are controlling everything so who's the real enemy there was it the alien just trying to survive or was it wayland yutani just trying to bring it back so if you have that same sort of nefarious um idea happening i don't know whatever story they come up with, if it is Wayland yutani and it's their big business. And they're like, we don't care. We don't care. I mean, you, I don't know if you guys have seen that movie or that it was based off of a true story called Dark Waters with um, uh, Mark Ruffalo, where he plays a, a lawyer yeah. and he's going after DuPont. And when things start coming out about what DuPont has done, I my jaw was on the floor. Um, what they allow, I mean, women having disfigured babies because they've been working with the materials that go into non-stick and DuPont's not saying a word, um, but quietly taking these women and moving them to other positions saying, oh, everything is fine. And then you had like 
six or seven women all having children that either died or they had strange disfigurement. You throw that type of conglomerate terror in an alien film. I, oh my well, God. It even goes to, yeah. You just look to the news again, bringing it back to 2020. And hopefully that's kind of what, like Patrick said, inspired them to try this again is, I mean, you look to the conditions that workers have had throughout COVID or, you know, during the protests or anything, and you look to, I mean, you've got, there's cases right now where there's uh, executives at plants who are taking bets on how many of their workers are gonna get COVID and die. I mean, talk about being disoriented. You know, you don't have to throw yourself in the woods, you just throw yourself into your daily life and who you are putting your trust in and who we believe is looking out for our best interests. And I mean, that's, I think some of the darkest moments any of us maybe have had this year is, you know, once for a second you, realize your family's safe for at least the, the immediate time it's like well who's who's leading us who's who, who are we putting our trust in and so i like yeah jamie that that hits pretty pretty well too well then i also think of things like agent orange or the tuskegee airmen and uh the, the radium girls you know, that yeah. one, jamie, i was gonna say radium girls too match yeah oh that's my goodness yeah. Yeah. that's an incredible one and oh, so you have all this sick. experimentation going on kind of under cloud of night, but not really. And so they could sort of watch what happens. How are they affected? There's even a, that story of the triplets from New York City where there are three identical triplets and they're all split up at birth um, to see how they would grow up. It was just an experiment. Um, but you had a company at, the, at, at you know, doing this to other human beings. It's humanity is the scariest really component of all of this. So I, Hopefully Holly picks up on that. I'm sure he does. Hopefully yeah. not giving him too much credit either. I mean, I love what he's done. But They'd be fools to ignore that. My hopes that are really high. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they have almost a responsibility to do that. You know, I have to say one of my moments from 2020 that I'll never forget was I think in the Ian Holm episode, the memorial episode, where we were talking about, but Jamie, we were having this conversation about like, you know, oh, like the alien wasn't really the threat. Like the alien was just doing what it does. It was really the company. And then in the, in the context of talking about that, I was like, look at the company in relation to 2020 and what's happening in the real world. Like the companies barely would barely even register as being nefarious, let alone this like evil entity, because there are hundreds of thousands of people dying from this, this thing. And things have been obfuscated and lied about and things have been hidden from people and things have been politicized and things have been just spun out of control for various financial interests and for profiteering and for all these just terrible, terrible things. And this is not political. This is just a statement of fact that like that this has been weaponized in a lot of ways um, for private interest. And that after after the events of 2020, I will never look at like I'll never be naive again, which is sort of a sad thing, you know. Um, so I, I do think that that has to color this somehow. And I'm also thinking about this like specific feeling that I'm having in 2020 a lot, which goes to something Derek was mentioning earlier, which I'll get around to in a second, Derek, uh, which is that um, like, you know, I was talking earlier about how you can kind of take the familiar on earth. And if you can do something where it kind of just flips upside down, it becomes frightening. I think we're all living with that right now. I, at least I'm speaking for myself. Like for me, very minor, very comfortable things that I took for granted for the entire other 34 years of my life are completely out of, out of the window now. Like I can't walk past other people without thinking if that's potentially dangerous. I don't want to like laugh loudly in public, let alone I, you know, aspirate through my mask and I, you know, I unwittingly kill somebody. Like just these very, these very simple things have become kind of like low grade frightening for me this year to the point where today, as I was mentioning to Jamie before we recorded, I'm currently quarantining for my wife 
who's a medical worker who got a fever this morning and was sent home. She's appears to be fine. She's taking two tests, but now we're going to sleep apart. We haven't, I haven't seen her. She's been in a mask in our home, in her own house. And it's fucking terrifying because I would really love to be able to still see at least my side of the family, if not both sides of our family for the end of the year. And, uh, and it's probably not going to happen now. Right. So like, and that's just a very minor thing. Everybody's okay. We're all safe and we're all fine, but it's fucking scary as hell. And I, I could potentially, if we don't play this correctly, kill my dad who has a breathing disorder. Like I could, I could potentially be responsible for that. And that is a really concrete, small example of how I think something very familiar fucking Christmas has become terrifying in some ways for many of us this year, right? We're facing real moral decisions about what it's acceptable to do right now. Um, and that I think is scary. And so going back to what Derek was saying in the beginning, I also dream about xenomorphs all the time. Like that's, that's something that I've done for most, much, much of my life. It's something Aaron Percival and I have actually talked about in the past. We, we both used to have a lot of nightmares about it when we were kids and we kind of realized that that might be part of why we like it, you know? Um, and I, uh, when I dream about xenomorphs, I always dream about them in my house and I don't know why. And it's not my current house. It's the house I grew up in. They're always in my childhood home. The murder house? And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, hang on. I don't. I don't live in a murder house. I live next to <laughs> yes, yes. A, a town away from a house that is uh, currently featured on HBO's uh, on a murder documentary. HBO, which is very good. It's called uh, Murder on Middle Beach. I recommend it. Anyway, murder on uh, the <laughs> It's not the greenhouse. Right. But when I was a kid, I, I I always like because I think it's because that's where those things imprinted on me. You know, in a deep way. So my nightmares were in that home, and still to this day, as a dad and and somebody who like has a job and is at least kind of an adult in a house that I bought, you know, with my wife, like I'm still dreaming about being trapped as a child in my parents' house, knowing there's a xenomorph and not knowing where it's coming from, and kind of enjoying that fear, like kind of like reveling in that fear, and that's to a small degree, what I feel every single day of my life now, because I feel like my house isn't sacred anymore. Like there's something that could potentially get in and could get us. And, and by virtue of doing that, get our family that my kids could be in danger by it. So I think that there are ways for Holly to pull this off on earth. And I think there's something to that domiciliary safety that we take for granted of just what it means to be at home and be safe. When, when that's taken away from us, when our home isn't really safe anymore, what that feels like. And to me, it feels terrifying. But Derek, what you said that- with me about that? And that everyone is possibly the, a threat to you. It, it reminds me of the alien world. Yeah. Where who's carrying it? You know, um, is your mask tight, tight enough? Should you, you know, are you um, too close in line? Is, why isn't their mask over their nose? All of those things uh, that we deal with on a daily basis remind me of like. It, and Jamie, it goes a lot to what you always talk about too. Some of your favorite scenes, at least that always stick in my head of you describing and they make it stick out even more in my head are, you know, the Ripley scene in Aliens, or no, Alien. Um, she's the only one following the quarantine. She's following the rules. She's going by the standard. I'm sorry, uh, you're, you're a crew member that I've spent a lot of time with, Patrick. You know, you're sorry, you're a family member, but here are the rules. We gotta go by it. And then someone breaks it. Or in Covenant, uh, Jamie, uh, you know, you, really stuck this one in my head too was you know she takes the gloves off um after the back burster scene you know she's she's as she's walking out of the ship she's like wait a sec okay here's the it's it's again like patrick keeps going to and everyone's just uh, this is really fun that everyone just can kind of keep sitting it's it's those ordinary things and my big hope again it's, it's the dual side i think i'd love for holly to show 
you know, it's, it's sort of just the, the chase, what you were talking about. You didn't really have people to talk about, but obviously you were onto something even by yourself in loving this franchise and loving these ideas. Patrick dreams about it. Um, there's something where you want to have other people realize this is a story. This is, these are universal things that we feel fear um, and the places that they come from that I want this series to show that the alien franchise can be that. It can be this cerebral thing. There's part of me that wants to just be like, see, look, we've been right all along. Um, sort of classic like nerd revenge thing. Um, but at the same time, there's also something that I think we've learned from this year, if more than anything, and this call thankfully is giving me that too, that we also just need a release. And so if all they're going to do is fucking unload some pulse rivals, waves of aliens, I'm here for it too, because we just <laughs> fucking need that too. Yeah. Just like, yeah. you know, when I got this, when Jamie sent me the invite for this call, it's just like, fuck, yes, I need this at the end of the year, just sitting here talking about this. So at the same time, this can be, it can, I think there is a responsibility. There are stories that they should tell about this year, but at the same time, if it's just fucking unloading on a bunch of aliens and they're all screaming the weird elephant screams, we need that too. So just <laughs> walk the line somehow. I don't know how to do it, but so anyways, that was kind of my thought. Well said, Peter. <laughs> well, it's kind of interesting that this could be, uh, this could be the, real chance for alien to kind of blow up because it's not quite niche but at the same time it's you know it's never been like when ridley scott was uh kind of going off in an interview in the past couple of years he said oh it should be as big as star wars i mean maybe it never really has or maybe it shouldn't per se but then again with the timing of uh, a pandemic like covid uh with a guy like noah holly who patrick said he knows how to really stretch ideas and get weird within like a certain contained idea or story and uh, this this could be the this could be the perfect chance to kind of show to to where uh, it's more accessible to everyone instead of just being oh it's another alien movie that's coming out we're gonna see the chestburster because you know Covenant it was just kind of it's been lackadaisical recently to you know anyone outside of the main fandom so this is uh, this is an interesting chance actually and they can get weird with it too having Holly I mean uh, between this and then the the supposed synopsis for that Predator movie that they supposedly greenlit. You know, franchises like this, I, I was, we were worried about in the acquisition whether or not they're going to be watered down or they're going to try to only do aliens action stuff to, you know, bring kids in. This could be their chance to really get wild with it, but still bring in the bigger audiences and make the money. And just super briefly on that, Chase, uh, the fact that this is on FX specifically on Hulu on Disney is a is the clearest indication we have other than noah hawley being attached to it the fact that they chose to put this out not on disney plus which i think none of us expected <laughs> I, most of us were saying this would be a hulu series right mm -hmm. but hulu of course now has this acquired partnership with fx and the fact that they put it on fx which is all pretty edgy content i think yes. is very clearly a way to say no this is not going to be that kind of like popcorn crowd pleasing thing it's going to be something that's going to push some buttons and probably like offend some people but it's going to be interesting and it's going to be kind of let's go <laughs> let's piss people hey derek uh is your Say microphone something. working i saw your hold on um now try and unmute N no we can't hear you you can That's hold weird. i don't know if you've ever seen love actually but you can do that thing where you like holds up the cards you know one by one <laughs> and uh, gonna show. you can we try and leave and come back you can try and leave and come back and see if that works 
we need that romanticism. I, I, it's interesting. Yeah. I, yeah. The question I have for you guys, though, is what's the most scariest TV show you've ever seen? Do you have one? Oh, I got one. Mm-hmm. TV show. Uh, well, recent memory, it, maybe not. I mean, this is one of those questions where I could list this off like in my own personal time, but once I'm asked, everything I've ever seen goes out of my mind. But pretty recently, the first season of Haunting of Hill House, I thought yeah. was an effective, actually scary show yeah. while still being interesting. Yeah. The only scary kid, part. The, the Sorry, V series. The, the, v series? the original yes. V. The 80s one, yes. You see a little tongue flicker. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> that was remade or in like 2008, right? Rubbing their skin. Oh, shit, too. Not that. Yeah, it was really no, bad. The original I mean, the, the old, old <laughs> ones, yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah. I was uh, the like the first two seasons of American Horror Story before American Horror Story got like pretty mainstream. Awesome. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Jamie for sure. I. Uh, yeah, that to me was like because it was FX again, and it was at for the time when it came out, it was dark, and for a horror ish, like the whole story of like the different storylines every season was kind of cool to me, but. Um, yeah, those first two seasons, man. That those are pretty. Yeah, I was pretty freaked out, for sure. The haunting of Hill House. I just want to go back to that for a second. That that, that to me, like I I've told I've told Jamie, is I think it's one of the great masterpieces of our time from a horror standpoint. I think it is like, I think it's intensely frightening, but it's frightening in like the exact reason why horror needs to be frightening. And I fucking. Oh my God, that sent me into like a serious depression for a while when I saw it the first time because I was really trapped in that place. I was like, oh my God, the implications for those characters are so profound. And it's and it's scary in the way that horror, I think, needs to be scary, which is that it's scary because it's real to us. It's it's scary because it, it touches on something that we can't talk about. It touches on the things we repress and we repress and we repress and we repress. And then horror gives us this outlet to look it in the face for a second and we see it, we go, oh my God. And it goes away again and it goes away again and it goes away again. And suddenly we're not afraid of imminent death and we're not afraid of being trapped somewhere for the rest of our lives and we're not afraid of blah, blah, blah. But then sometimes it comes back out and we and we remember that one, you know, we did actually hurt somebody that one time and what that actually means. Like to me, the the first season of Hill House is just an extraordinary achievement in how you do horror right on television. And it, and it is very character driven, to, to put it lightly. It's an extremely character driven show. And I think that is a great example of when that works. Oh, my God. I think that is just an incredible achievement. I will also, though, say the first season of The Terror is another one for me that I find yes. just ex- intensely yes. frightening um, in a way that feels very earned and very accurate. Because even though it's a situation where, you know, like they didn't have to put themselves in this incredible Northwest Passage environment, like they did. And what happened was terrible and, and was and was and was extremely frightening and was, like we were saying earlier, a transmogrified Earth setting, right, which others have brought up. So, yeah, the, the, to me, like those are probably the most frightening seasons of television I've seen in my lifetime. And Patrick, I'm, you just made me think for a second really quick. This is kind of a little bit of a tangent going back to I've always wondered. And again, seeing the familiar and, and the body horror and the horror, you know, the, the, the changing and becoming a xenomorph. You know, I've always sort of wondered how much of the the actual person remains. Yes, that's, yeah, that's dude. part of what in in Aliens you Creepy. lose. Where I mean, how much of the of Big Chap is Kane? Um, and so if they could somehow do a a tight knit drama, um, with characters, <laughs> and I don't know, you don't need like the. The you know the zombie trope of oh my god I can't shoot that zombie because it's my child or something but just i don't know just kind of a little more into the mythos of of why it is 
an alien becomes an alien versus, you know, I don't know. I, I've always found that, but for some reason that just popped in my head that all of a sudden it's like, it'd be really cool to explore sort of the weird dark side of, of how much of, of the human or the person is, is in the xenomorph but do not have them have memories or blah, blah, blah. So that's a terrible idea. Oh, no, it's not. No, that scares me too, dude. You know why? You know why, Peter? It's, it's because it makes you, it makes you just like Hill House, it makes you question what consciousness is, which is, oh my God, it gets really scary the more you think about it, right? The more you think about the fact that like my brain is my brain. It's not actually anything other than that. Like that is a fucking scary idea. And what happens when that brain is not in control of what it thinks it's in control of? It's fucking horrifying, right? Yeah, the scariest right. part Yeah, it's about like the bear in Annihilation or something. What if a xenomorph yeah. like was kind of trapped in its i don't know yeah right yeah, okay, and anybody okay. who's experienced mental illness knows what that feels like right like if like, <laughs> yeah, like to, cool. to, to be de just to be de clinically depressed is to deal with that is to feel like i'm not myself right now like what the fuck happened to me like where am i like it's a very frightening thing that i think many of us if not all of us can relate to in some way and what what can you do when you work that into a body horror environment it's fucking terrifying i agree yeah. so, someone said there is that one scene in alien where the creature looks at jonesy in the cage much like kane mm -hmm. looked at the egg in the you know yeah, good point so it's very i don't know whatever that's worth hey uh, derek how's your mic working can you guys hear me now yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. there you go so did you Glad to be we'll give you the floor um well i guess just the last thing i heard you say was the scariest tv show and i i guess i don't really have anything that comes to mind but uh, peter you're talking about people you know, when they're the aliens. If I remember right, isn't that kind of what Dead Space is? That game, people, they turn into the, the necromorphs in that, if I remember right. Um, I don't know if anybody's played that. Oh, yeah, that I love game. how we're bringing up all these great video games tonight. Yeah, Dead Space is a great... <laughs> Dead Space in general as a franchise is a great, like, way to make an alien movie, by the way. I just want to say, I think it's, it's extremely game, well done. That game scared the shit out of me because you're oh, you're God. walking down a hallway and then music starts going, you expect something to happen, and it doesn't. And then it gets silent randomly again. And then you're walking, you turn around, and there's this thing behind you, and you got to blow his head off. Um, and it was clearly a person before that. You know, it's, yeah, it's very sad. Yeah. Um, and then going back a little bit further, you know, you and I, we have these dreams. Um, maybe the show will be the most terrifying thing I watch on TV. I, I mean, I think what could terrify me more than an alien being on Earth and not in the sense like alien versus predator where it's in Antarctica, but it's in some city, wherever it is, you know, I, I mean, this thing, it's gonna, I mean, that's terrifying to me. It's gonna wreak destruction and havoc and it's gonna rip families apart. That's, that's scary to me. What's it gonna do to people? Like you said, you don't know if you're safe in your house, you've got a gun, maybe it doesn't even matter. Um, that's the type of stuff that scares me. and. I, th I think maybe could translate to a good show. Xenomorph uh, dreams are not fun. Yo, it's like there. It's like looking yeah. back. Like when you wake up, you're like, "Wow, that was intense. That's kind of cool. I got to, I got to, you know, uh, inject myself into like a, a xenomorph like situation." But it's like it is. It is scary. And st but Jamie, I it took me a while, but I thought of the scary season of television I've seen, and that's Chernobyl for sure. Oh, oh man, man, another great, great choice. Yeah. Great choice. Yeah. Yes. I was gonna and, say Penny Dreadful, the first three seasons. I think was there only three of the first two seasons? Penny Dreadful was really scary. Devs actually was scary to me. Mm -hmm. um, Existentially, just, yeah. Totally. It, it, you know, it, there's this dread there of 
what are we what's happening what are these people doing um and they're almost robotic in their responses devs really freaked me out frame rate we gotta do a frame rate well i know we've been talking about it for like two years but no not two years um <laughs> yeah i i think that it, this could be this the scariest i think it's important that they work on that it's important that this show be scary um and i, I go to these scenarios of based off of our response to pandemic people saying oh no whatever it's a hoax something's loose in this city whatever yeah really and you know obviously this thing just starts killing people because no one believes it's real you know um it reminds me of that quote from uh what's that movie kaiser so say um usual suspects usual, yeah, yeah the greatest trick the devil the devil ever pulled is convincing people he doesn't exist and that you could use that to play the like there's a creature uh, you know out in this yeah sure sure yeah that's a hoax that's a whatever political hoax you know what i mean and then it just kills and kills and kills because no one believes it no one believes it no one believes it it's killing and it's killing and even though there's evidence of it's killing people don't believe that it that what is killing is killing People think it's something else. So it could keep going and keep going and keep going. And no one's going to stop it because no one believes in it, which I think is terrifying. Yeah, I agree. I mean, what if, I mean, one morning you wake up, your neighbors are gone. Like, that's yeah. scary stuff. Yeah, it's, almost, it's almost silly how, how, uh, how that we've actually experienced, we're actually experiencing that. It's almost silly to say that, you know, we can just take from what we've seen this year and just put it, the basic idea into the alien show and, and uh, you know it'd be it'd be completely believable, for sure. With very few things changed, it's it's astonishing. You know, I was just I don't even remember who was just saying this a second ago because I got distracted because I was thinking about my personal experience of this. <laughs> but I like uh, I think Derek, you were mentioning when the neighbors are gone. Like I so I think everybody's had this experience in their lives where they're like oh, they're the only ones up, you know, and it's kind of late at night. And you're sort of like just looking out the window, you know, just kind of like just trying to fall asleep. And you sort of fixate on like a light somewhere in the distance, you know, and you realize, oh, it's like there's, you know, there's other people awake right now. Like, oh, that's so it's fucking 2 a.m. Like, what are they doing? Right. You just sort of like sit there and you watch and then the light goes out. And you have that moment where you're like, holy shit, I'm alone. Mm. That like those moments like that, those uncanny moments that we experience in life are so worth tapping into from a horror perspective. I actually wrote a spec script, Jamie. I've never told you this. I'm going to send this to you. You have it starts oh with, God, yes, it's, so, so, so it starts with, it starts with, it was from a dream that I had. This was like 10 years ago where I was uh, standing on like a, on a, in like a house and I was looking out at a ski mountain in the distance. It was based on an actual ski mountain that I, that I had looked at that night. And there's like a little, a little vehicle traveling up the side of the mountain, like, you know, taking care of the snow. It's the middle of the night. And then the light just goes out on that truck. And it's, and it's the reasons why that happens to me. That idea is so frightening. Like what happens when everything is normal and then it's just suddenly something is slightly abnormal. Like what is, what does that mean? And I, I think, um, I just think that would be so great. I, I, I got to say, like, all the ideas that have come up tonight have just filled me with so much optimism. Mm -hmm. for how this, I mean, I, there's, there's so many ways that this could go well. I really recommend anybody who's listening to this who hasn't watched Holly's other work do it because, and I've said this on previous episodes, I think especially season two of Fargo, I think, is, is like top three seasons of television I've seen in my lifetime. I think that is like just an astonishing achievement. But also Legion is incredible, too. Legion is actually scary, too. It's and Legion is very scary. And also speaking about mental illness, quote unquote, like that's a great example of, although 
not everything's as it seems in that show. A, a great example of Noah Hawley using that as a real vehicle for horror, right? As, as like, like, what do I do when I'm not in control of myself anymore? I think that that as an idea, as a pathogenic idea is very, very frightening. I think what people have said tonight, Peter, you had some great ideas uh, to that end too. I think, I, I think there are many ways that this could go very well. And I think that we are, I just want to like take a moment and recognize how fucking cool this is that we're talking about a new in development alien property. Like we have been speculating about when this was going to happen and if it was going to happen for forever since I came on the show three and a half years ago. And we're actually talking about actionable stuff right now. Like there, it is greenlit, it is in production, it is happening, it's announced to shareholders. That's an amazing moment. It's an, and again, it's an amazing time to be an alien fan. You know, I was going through some of our old episodes just yesterday, just editing some stuff. Um, and I was looking at Alien Day 2019 and, and I was, you know, looking at what a love fest it was. Even in the, in the notes for that, I put this was a love fest, right? Because it was like the high school play, it was the short film screenings, it was all this, everybody was kind of celebrating. And I, and I remember thinking like, wow, I'm glad that, you know, even if this franchise is dead, like we got a year like that, like just a year where we were celebrating the whole time. And then 2020 happened and we were like just, clawing for scraps for content to put out for alien day we're like looking for things to talk about it was like so because every it was in april i mean everybody was just like terrified that the world was ending so you know we weren't exactly in a place to celebrate very much and now here we are at the at the close of this year and we're talking about actual new content from from like a triple a level creative team and with a real budget behind it and i just think like man you know, we've lost a lot of people this year. It's been very, very, very hard, but we're stepping into 2021 with some things we can really be looking forward to and focusing on. And I, for one, want to be better about focusing on the positive and focusing on the excitement of this. And I want to not be too worried about it. I, I think that we have a lot of things that we can be happy about right now. Here, here. And like Haunting of Hill House, the scariest thing about Haunting of Hill House that they could do with this alien series is set it in Methuen Mass. So that's something that could be done, <laughs> just so you know. And and just and you know, I know I'm going way back, but I've, I've, it's been like spinning in my head since you mentioned that show. But like that show is based on. I don't know. I, I think it was a book first, but the original yeah, Jackson. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. The original movie adaptation was, I think, done in 1960. 1959, I think. 15, yeah. Thank you. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> and it's a beautiful black and white film. And it's, and you know, like the, there's like a drama. There's a, there's, there's something playing at, is this all in Eleanor's head or, yeah. or is it not? And they just took that germ and, and stretched it into what, 10 episodes and and ascribed all these all these great and they and they and they extrapolated it and it's like what if everyone's mental illness was 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 or mental uh, state was in question in terms of what's happening and what they're experiencing in this house and um it's just like you know screenwriting porn it just, i want i want some of that for for this alien series if they're going to stretch it i mean this is episodic that's never been done with alien outside of comics so i i really hope they can uh they they can take the goods and really just take like the, the you know the flavor out of the food and really just like you know and stretch it and really and really give us something special and and like patrick just said you know if there's we could we could do a lot worse in terms of creative teams so you know i'm very hopeful i think you know this could be great what do you guys think of uh ridley scott coming in as executive producer do it he's weird yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah we've talked about it him with some him stepping back a little bit and having someone else who's kind of running the show who has you know something different or fresh it's it's a it's a good idea we'll see how yeah. if he can keep in you know his 
kind of ego out of it. Yeah, guarantees there'll be a synthetic in there. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. He loves those there androids. We well, well, that's the question. About look at look at twenty forty nine though. I, I think to me, like that's a great example. I mean, Ridley yes. Scott, he loves putting out content. He loves mm. producing. He's been his Scott Free has been one of the most prolific production houses for forty years now. He he adores this kind of shit, and I think it's a good way to do two things. One to shot block. I think he's really good at doing that when he believes in filmmakers. He did that for Denny Villeneuve in the production of 2049 with the studio. He stuck up for him. He was like, no, he, he knows what he's doing. He can back off because Ridley Scott had to fight for that himself a lot as a young filmmaker. And it also means, I think, that he's going to have an ear to canon and to making sure that this isn't going to screw the other movies up too much. I think that he wouldn't, wouldn't want to let that happen. Uh, and I think that's really, really good. I, I think that there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think he believes in Noah Hawley. I think that also, I, I do want to say, though, it's not confirmed that he's executive producing, at, at least when they made this announcement. He was in advanced talks to do it, right? So like, so so we don't know for sure that's going to happen. I but bet, I, yeah. I think if it does happen, that's a good indication that this is not going to retcon <laughs> the movies, which would be great to avoid doing, and that at least it will have some prestige behind it from like a continuity standpoint, and yeah. Definitely. I think that I would imagine by Alien Day, which is what, four or five months away now, uh, we'll probably have, they'll probably use that day to either show as a teaser or make announcements, that type of thing. So that's probably something to look forward to. Um, we've been going now for about an hour and 45 minutes. We probably think this is a good time to wrap. I know we could probably stay here all night and talk uh, and dream about ideas, but Thank you guys so much for coming on. We're all going to be fucking dreaming. We're going to be in our childhood homes. Xenomorphs coming to attack us. It's funny. I've had like one dream of Xenomorphs before, but it was scary. And it's not something I'd like to dream again. I remember my very first dream and I woke up. It was cold sweats. And it was a kid when I was a kid. It was like a night terror. Like a night. Yeah, literal night terror. Jesus. And I still dream to this day. I still have dreams as well. Not fun till you wake up. I'm saying. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's fun in retrospect. Yep. I'm like, man, I'm pretty fucking badass. I was like eight, yeah. I was surviving this thing. Yeah, Not... right. You wake up, you're eating. Breakfast, you're like, God, that's a badass dream. Yeah, yo, man, that's these right. people look great. I'm a hero. <laughs> <laughs> fucking bring on third grade. <laughs> before we before we wrap, actually, Jamie, yeah. if it's all right, I want to just do a quick a quick thing, just in any order you guys want. What's what's just one thing you want to leave fans with who are listening? Because this will be dropping basically right at the end of the year, like with a couple of days left in the year. So, what's something you want to throw out there into the world for fans at this moment? Anybody can go. I'll, I'll I'll jump in and say, um, you know, keep loving the things you love because they are carrying us through. And I want to thank Jamie and Patrick for just like keeping their foot on the gas this year and just like keeping your, you know, there, you guys, thank you guys. Cause you know, like, um, it's nice. It's the little things. It's the little things that like get you through the day and that something to look forward to these little things. So, you know, we have a show to look forward to. A wonderful thing um it, it doesn't seem necessarily like things are getting that much easier that fast but it's all about just um counting your lucky stars you know like the year i've had in if i had that if i had this same year a couple of years ago i might be complaining about it um just personally what i've gone through but when but i can't I have no choice but to look around at 
uh, what's gone on and be super grateful. Like I, I, I'm almost like, it's almost becoming like a neuroses of how, how, how much I'm just like being thankful for everything. I'm just like telling my girlfriend, I love her the, the 10 times more in my, you know, when Patrick was going on, I was getting a little emotional. Cause my mom texted me and said, I love you. I was like, this is way too much right now. This is way, <laughs> way, way too much. And, um, and, um, you know, like I, I love lots of movies and I love lots of different franchises and series. And but like Alien, something that just like I carried in my back pocket is like something I always thought was cool and carried in my heart. And like Patrick, like it was something like when Covenant first when Covenant came around, um, I was like, there's a new Alien movie. And I asked my friends and no one went and saw it with me. And I was like, and I missed it. And then I watched it on my laptop alone in my room. And it was so dark and upsetting that I was like, oh my God, I don't even know how to parse this. And I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I was just like, oh, I guess that movie was okay. But I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I had to seek out what people thought about it. And that's how I found the podcast. And like, um, it just, um, Man, now now I've now I've gone I've gone into a corner, but I'm just saying that thank you to everybody. Like, let's just like I I'm I that's the feeling I'm overwhelmed with at the end of this year is like wow, like you know, I made it through and I'm doing pretty okay. Like, even though I I, I have a few things I could complain about, um, but it, I I'd be an ass to do to do so. You know, seeing what other people have gone through and stuff. So. Um, you know, and, and especially in America, where it's such a massive, you know, our nation is a continent, and people are so uh, fractured and, and isolated, especially now more than ever that it's like, you know, it, it, you could be cynical and be like, oh, it's kind of sad, we're all just like bonding over stuff like the Mandalorian <laughs> over the internet. But you know, like, a, a win is a win. So like, you know, <laughs> I'm not a religious person, but like, I want to say the words like, God bless, like, God bless everybody. Like, God bless you. Tiny and Tim. God, Tiny Tim. God bless Tiny Tim. Go buy me a goose. I need a <laughs> Buying all the you goose. You get a goose and you get a goose. All right. That's enough for me. Uh, I'll, I'll got... try it on that quick and get out of here too and let the next person go. But just, yeah, I, I like that. I like take the little things, like I said, the release of just unloading the pulse rifle, you know, just being back on the show and talking to you guys, Chase, Hey, look, you got someone to be on the couch with now, anytime. Um, you That's got right. Perry and Derek in Minnesota, you know, I'd go up there seemingly would be up there any other year right now with my parents up there. So there's a lot to be uh, said to that. And, you know, maybe we'll meet up there sometime and, like it's the little things and you know i like that this is again a, it's a franchise where you don't have to take it seriously but you can it's something that can scare us it's something that can make us laugh um you know uh, clara hopefully you're listening out there resurrection i'm a fan too you know that's one of my favorite episodes where she's just you guys back her in the corner and she does not let down and i love it winona Ryder, you know she's out it's just it's great. So, you know, I'm here. I'll be the apologist this episode. It's worth it. You know, it's got the body hoarder. It's got the various versions. Ooh, I got a fuck to get off this boat. But uh, it's great. So, get you off. So, you know what? If you're a Resurrection fan out there, it's, it's okay. Like we said, you know, there was a time when, you know, Patrick was getting destroyed for liking Covenant. But I think just seeing, <laughs> even from an outsider. No, he fucking hates it. Yeah, where everyone is. <laughs> Yo, it's a I'm wearing a Covenant t-shirt tonight. 
Now you can like anyone. I mean, Blended you can like any of the movies, and you're part of the crew. Um, <laughs> he hates all the alien movies. That's good. Yeah, worst fucking movies ever. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's good. So just you know, it's it's fun. So that that's the main thing. I'm glad everyone's okay. If you're listening, Clara, it's okay to like Resurrection. <laughs> that's it. I've got uh, two, maybe three things I'd like to say if I can string that many coherent thoughts together. Um, first, Patrick, I used to have uh, these reoccurring dreams um, about the alien. Maybe sometime I'll chat with you about that. Um, second, please, please do. I think it's really cool because I've never had anybody to talk to about these movies, about this universe. Um, and I, I like them a lot. I love them. And I, just, I feel like I don't compare to your guys' levels of this stuff, but I, I love it. Um, and that kind of leads me to my last thing, Jamie. Um, I discovered your podcast sometime after Covenant came out. And I started listening from the beginning. Um, I had to listen to from the beginning, just the type of person I am. And so I just absorbed your material. Um, I'd listen at work. And so I got all that build up, how excited you guys were for Covenant. And I had seen it and I had my own feelings about the movie. And so I'm listening and each episode I know is getting closer and closer and closer to when you guys saw it. And then just that letdown you guys had and just kind of the beatdown you gave it. Um, and myself, the, the more times I watch it, the more I like it. Um, and, and I hope that's not what we get out of this TV show as we're, we're building all this hype up around it. And then we just think it fucking sucks. That's my worst fear out of all this is I don't, I don't want to put it up on this pedestal where we're so excited and then just so extremely let down about it. Yeah, but right. Alien, it, but for alien fans, that'd be par for the course. We can take it. That's why we're surviving this year. We can take anything. You were let down too. Welcome to fandom. No. <laughs> yeah. Game over, man. Yeah. No, I'll, uh, I'll hop on the love fest. It's um, it's a uh, the one thing. So I'm glad that we have a lot to look forward to for Alien. I mean, the TV show is the biggest thing. We got uh, the possible uh, Cold Forge game, that prequel novel. Alex White has the novel. So one thing is that even though aliens, like, as I said before, it's always been kind of niche and there's been times where it's been, uh, you know, it's been in a, it has its peaks and valleys, like everything. There's times where it feels like it doesn't exist. It's nice that going into this next year that we have something so exciting to look for. And based off of this year in terms of, you know, all of our mindsets, like everyone in the world, you know, how you're doing with the, uh, with the pandemic, uh, it's good. Like uh, Patrick kept kind of bringing up it's nice that uh, we can just take a second here for us specifically, for example, take a second here. And while we're talking about our hopes and fears about the show and about the franchise in general, it's nice when you just take a moment and you're real mindful of what you're feeling and you realize that, you know, it's just in this moment, uh, you know, we can just hang out here and, uh, and just talk about the news that we're getting. So it's going to be tough to stay positive because, you know, things don't, aren't quite looking up in a lot of ways and, you know, in the social political climate, but, uh, it's good that we still have, you know, things like this. And even though it's all over Zoom and it's, you know, it's, it's different than it used to be. Uh, it's good that we still have, uh, you know, the things that we enjoy and we still have each other. Yeah, Chase, I'll, I mean, uh, just going off of that, it's been so great to meet you guys, Jamie and, and Patrick. Like I, I, uh, 
and everyone here on on um, our chat tonight. It's just I'm so thankful to have been led into this community, and uh, all I had to do is just be super obsessed with aliens since I was a kid, and and the whole franchise, and and to knowing. Uh, I guess just coming into it, and I actually discovered your show just this year. The first episode I listened to was Nihilism um, on Alien 3, and I was immediately hooked and just felt so, I know, Jamie, I've, I've kind of, uh, or I don't know if you, Patrick, I, I've, uh, I just felt so at home with you guys, and, and it's just uh, so cool to feel those feelings with the world being in the state that it's in. Uh, just with quarantining and the fear and that kind of lurking in the background and, and what that's doing to people's mental health and uh, state like that. And, and Patrick, man, I, I feel for you, like uh, just what you have to go through now and you, the possibility you might not be able to see your family is tough. And if there's anything, you know, for any other people in the world that are feeling that and going through that there there's communities like this and and that you can just really feel connected to people still and just to I don't know look around and like really appreciate what you have in your life and and just to be thankful for that and yeah you guys I don't know it's it's just awesome and I'm I'm super excited honestly, for fandom and for everything we have coming forward. Like, like you said, it, it's, uh, it, we've been waiting for so long for something like this to happen and we're finally getting it. Um, lo and behold, in the midst of this pandemic and everything. So we have some great things to, to be looking forward to and a lot to talk about, obviously, but uh, yeah, let down or not, I'm, I'm here for it. I, I just, I think it's gonna be great to get some, new alien content and uh yeah i'm just i'm just along for the ride so buckle up let's go <laughs> i have one Express more elevator thing. to hell <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you know i'm i'm also glad that uh i got to watch the entirety of alien 3 the whole time i think we finally went through the end credits <laughs> yeah it's good timing <laughs> i love it um, I, I want to just I'll, before, well, just just I'll, I'll throw mine and then Jamie, I'll, I'll throw to you to close out. Uh, I, I wanted to say Michael had to leave because uh, ah. he had a family call. As many of us have multiple Zoom calls, we can relate to this. But but he uh, he said thanks for a great time, um, and I'm sure he would have had some very heartfelt thing to wrap up with. But as many people know who listen to the show, Michael is just like you know a bedrock part of this community and a good friend of the show for years and years and years. So uh, I'm sure he sends his regards. And I just want to personally thank Jamie especially who has kept me engaged and kept me going this entire time. Even though every three weeks I'm like, Jamie, I, I need a fucking break. I can't, I'm like, <laughs> I'm so stressed out. I can't do anything anymore. Like, uh, and I just really appreciate it. You know, this has been a year where just speaking personally, especially as a dad, uh, I've, I've just been swamped. I've, I've been feeling like I'm fucking drowning for much of this year. Um, in a lot of ways. And I think, I think we all are, and this is not unique to parents, obviously, but from a parental perspective, just personally, that's something that I think has been really hard for me is trying to feel like I'm, I'm being a present father during this time. Cause I'm so, I'm such a fucking mess. Um, and, uh, and so that's been occupying a lot of my energy and, uh, and, you know, because of that, I've stepped away from a lot of social media. I've stepped away from a lot of online engagement that I used to really enjoy a lot. Um, and my world has become very small this year. Um, Literally, I mean, it's become basically just this house, you know, 
Um, and that's been a real thing that I'm dealing with. And, and, and it's been very, and I, and for some reason, this, this instinct has kicked into me a number of times this year to kind of shut off from the world and kind of just focus on this, like just keeping my household together, like keeping things okay. Um, and then there's Jamie who's like, Hey, did you like, you know, I, I got this interview with us, you know, I have some ideas for like this audio drama, like, but what do you think you can do? And those little moments have been so, so amazing, Jamie. And you know that, cause I tell you that, but honestly, I want, <laughs> I want to say that out loud. I've needed that because it's reminded me that the world is still is out there, that there's still fucking stuff going on, that it's okay to still be excited about movies. It's okay to still have emotional conversations about horror TV series, that it's okay to uh, to still be a nerd, that like I don't have to only be one thing just for the sake of survival, that even in times of survival, we can contain multitudes within ourselves. And a big part of my multitude has been alien since I was a young, young child, like many of the people on here. Since that first day in second grade, when my buddy Greg, whose dad worked as a prototyper at Kenner, brought the gorilla alien to the playground, and I was like, "What the fuck is this? Can I please borrow it?" And I've been obsessed <laughs> with it ever since. And that that that's a, a great thing, and that's part of the rainbow that makes up our lives is our is our nerdy fandom and our need to connect over that thing. And for many people on this call today, for people like Chase who did, felt like he didn't have people on the couch, for people like Peter who had a couch the size of Delaware, for all these all these different people, we grew up needing to talk about this stuff and this podcast journey for me over these last you know since 2017 has been uh, a continual moment to connect over something that i love that i've been waiting desperately to talk about so thank you jamie for reminding me of that this year thank you for pulling me back and, and getting me to chill the fuck out and just come on the show and just do it thank you for everybody for being patient just with with us because we've you know missed release windows <laughs> we've had some breaks and things like that but also just personally like, and i know i haven't been on my game the way that i would have liked to have been many times this year because sometimes i'm just sort of dealing with it like we all are um but i do want to say uh, before i go on for too long that that's part of the beauty of doing this format you know is that it's essentially an audio diary of our lives at any given time right there's the objective things we talk about. Like we talk about the alien films, we do interviews, we talk about specific topics. But at the end of the day, this is basically just a moment in our lives captured on audio. And for the last two hours, I've spent this moment in my life with a bunch of wonderful people, many of whom I've never actually spoken with before. And that's a fucking gift. And that's something that I hope I never, ever, ever lose sight of. And I hope we do this for many, many years to come. And I hope those years are kinder to us than 2020 has been. And I hope that those years bring us new series and new announcements. And even if we get embarrassed and disappointed young and Ridley we series. feel like they suck, <laughs> young, young Ridley <laughs> series, even if they're not what we want them to be, I hope we can still have passionate dialogues about them and not feel ashamed for wanting to do that because it's a very human thing to do. So thank you for connecting. And thank you, Jamie, for keeping this going this year. Uh, and thank you for keeping the torch lit for fans around the world who listen to this and tune in every single day. Thank you. Not going to make yeah. me cry, Patrick Green. <laughs> Very eloquent. Yeah, I, I mean, to close that out, really, I, I'm i not married. I don't have any children. I live alone. Essentially, I have housemates, but I, I'm pretty much a hermit. So I'm in my office slash bedroom 23 hours of the day just because that's life and um, the walls have certainly closed in and just not knowing what's going to happen, what are, what's going is this country going to survive or, you know, are we going to survive the pandemic? Like all of these things, but really the, the bright spots for me have been um, everybody responding to the news of a show and, or whether, or even like the Mandalorian seeing everybody respond and connect and um, grow together and enjoy something as a group of people like that's just gold for me. Um, but alien has, certainly always been my lifeblood and uh i i'm so excited to uh look forward to what they 
deliver and to be with you, Patrick, and all of you guys, and Maj and Perry, who we talk almost all the time now, don't we? Um, yeah, we really do. <laughs> um, but uh, so it's really a great, it is a great community, but really ultimately, like for me, like I know with the, those of you who are parents or you have girlfriends or wives or whatever, you might have that to go to kind of pivot back to, to kind of figure out what's going on in that life. For me, the, my way of coping is you guys, is the fans. Like, I ha I need this interaction with people. Like, that's all I get. This right here is my, I don't, there's no one else that I see. I mean, I do see roommates, but rarely. Um, they're always either gone in San Francisco or wherever. Um, so this, this fandom is lifeblood for me, really. Like, without it, like, and Patrick knows very well, like, I've been depression and all of those things like the walls close in really quick if you don't keep sight of what's true and what's real um and that is certainly you guys so thank you guys peter as well who we talk to all the time regularly and maj who i now also talk to regularly um you guys have been awesome and my family so Here's to the next year, and uh, hopefully we uh, get some more news on the next show. Thank you guys for being on. It's been two hours, a great two hours, a fast two hours. Hope to have you guys on again soon. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Thank you Jamie. Thank you. Cheers, 2021. Oh, yeah. <laughs>